The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. I'm not originally from Wisconsin. Um, I don't even own anything that looks like cheese that isn't cheese. Um, But uh, I'm doing my best to fit in. And um, every once in a while, a y'all will slip out. And uh, lived in St. Louis long enough to lose most of my South Carolina accent, but not as much of it as I think I've lost. Um, so thanks for having me uh, with you. And uh, it's, it's real joy. It's especially uh, a joy to, to get to come up here and see the fruit of the ministry of several um, men who have graduated from our seminary and, and some of whom I've actually taught. And that's a real joy to see that. So thank you. Um, the marks of a man who is growing in likeness to Jesus. That's kind of a big thought, isn't it? Being like Jesus. We kind of have this love-hate relationship with um, being like Jesus. You know, it's kind of like a good plunger. Who wants to admit that they love it, right? You kind of hate it because you only need it when it's time to do a nasty job. And um, But it sure is good to have a good one, Right? So there's love-hate kind of thing that guys have with a lot of tools. You know, I hate needing that tool, but man, it's good to have it when I need it. And well, that yeah, plunger is one of them, kind of that mixture of emotions. And um, growing in likeness to Jesus, that's a thought that can, it can provoke a real mixture of emotions. On the one hand, it can make us think, no way. Not me. Maybe somebody else. Maybe my preacher. Maybe the next preacher after this one. (laughs) But not me. I hate that thought, being like Jesus, there's no way. And then on the other hand, there's this, yeah, but I love it. I love that thought of um, Christ-like character really starting to show up in my life over time. Not overnight, but over time. Yeah, I could get used to that idea. Love, hate. And um, what I want us to feel tonight, tomorrow, is um, that growing love. A growing sense that that when it comes to the character of Christ showing up in our lives, it doesn't have to be something that we're afraid of. It doesn't have to be something that makes us kind of despair and say, well, it's a nice thought, but not me. Um, Because there really are resources at work in us right now because of Jesus that mean um, he, he is conforming us as we've heard tonight already in prayers and through song 
Jesus is shaping us to be like himself. And yeah, if it were just up to you and me, we aren't man enough to be like Jesus. There is not enough good in you or me to, to bring about any lasting Christ-like character. But there's enough good in Jesus to work that good into you and into me. So let's take that love-hate relationship and see if we can make it more of a love relationship. Just happy, just joy, because we know that Jesus is working in us. Now, there's more, there, there's more to be said about this topic than we could possibly say if we had a month together. So um, where do you start? We're going to look at one window tonight on the heart and the character of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you a secret. Here's the secret. If you want to be like Jesus, you know what you need to do? You just need to love Jesus. Because here, here's how it works. You wind up being like whoever you love the most. That's how this world works. You wind up being like whoever you love the most. Who's your favorite football team? What color jersey do they wear? What color jersey do you wear? You wind up being like who you love the most. What kind of truck did your daddy drive? I grew up in North Georgia. Small town. When we got to school, you know what the boys talked about? Are you a Ford man or a Chevy man? I'm a GMC man. None of us owned any trucks. We didn't know what the heck we were talking about. We were in third grade. What does a third grader know about a pickup truck? Nothing. All he knows is I love my daddy and my daddy drives a Ford, so I'm a Ford man. You wind up being like the one you love the most. That's the way this world works. Um... If you want to be like Christ, you don't need to spend a whole lot of time beating yourself up for not being like Christ enough. If you want to be like Christ, what you need to do is look more at Christ. And the more you look at him, guess what will happen? You will love him more. And the more you love him, guess what will happen? You'll be like him more. So tonight we want to look at Luke chapter 13. And we want to take a good look at Jesus, and we want to see how much our Savior Jesus loves the priorities of his Father. Jesus looks at his Father and loves him, and so his heart beats for the same priorities that his Father's heart beats for. And so Jesus loves his Father most, and he becomes like his Father. And then we look at Jesus, and we love him, and we become like him Passion for our Father's priorities is uh, something that marked the life of Jesus. And we're going to see that in Luke chapter 13. We're going to start reading with verse 10. Um, maybe you'll forgive me if there are a couple differences between the text behind me and the text I'm going to read. I, uh, this is the ESV translation. I'll be reading from the NIV, not for any particular reason other than this one's small and fits well in my backpack. Let's pray. Lord, bless the reading of your word so that as we hear it, we know that your lips are moving in heaven and you are speaking this word to us right now. Help us to see you in a, in a new way. 
so that we may love you with a new depth and therefore there would be more fire in our soul for growing to be like you. We pray in your name. Amen. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. I think the ESV says disability. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler said to the people. Do you notice that? He's really mad at Jesus. But he criticizes the people. That happened a lot with Jesus. People really had wanted to pick a fight with him. But picked a fight with the people around him. He said to the people. There's, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days. Not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. It's nice to be nice. So please be nice. Um, if we get beyond hating the idea of becoming like Jesus because we think we can't do it, Sometimes we stumble over into this attitude. It's nice to be nice. Jesus was nice, so we need to be nice. The thing is, Jesus wasn't nice. This, this text is not showing us a nice Jesus so we can be nice. This text is showing us a Jesus who is completely passionate about what his God thinks is most important. And therefore, he is willing to be on fire when he needs to. He's not just being nice. He's being passionate. Passionate for the things that his father is most passionate about. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means being passionate for identifying misery and multiplying mercy. Our Father is committed to identifying misery and multiplying mercy. God looks down from heaven, He sees Adam and Eve in their misery. And he comes down. He hears the cries of his people in Egypt. He hears their misery. And in mercy, he delivers them from slavery. 
the patterns repeated over and over and over again through the scriptures. And we see Jesus doing the same thing here. He identifies misery, and when he finds it, he replaces it with mercy. That's two things that ought to start beating in our hearts if we're being shaped to become Christ-like men. Men who, we have a radar set. Lord, show me someone who is miserable today. Show me someone who's hurting. Show me someone who needs something that only you have to offer, but you've put me on this planet to offer it. (laughs) Help me find misery. And when I do, multiply mercy. Now, we've got to take a minute and say, we can't do this the same way Jesus could. Okay, we don't know everything. I can't walk into a room and just stand there and know who's hurting the way Jesus could. I can't stand there and look at a crippled woman and say, oh, her disease is due to a bondage of Satan. I, I, I can't tell that. Maybe Jesus can look at one woman and say, well, she's just sick. And the next woman, she's sick because of the devil. We're not like that. And Jesus can stick out his hand and touch this woman. The text says, verse 13, he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. He can multiply mercy in a hurry. (laughs) But what he can do in a hurry, we can do over a long, long time. A fancier way to say that is Jesus has the power to multiply mercy intensively, whereas our ministries of mercy are extensive. He can get a lot of healing done right now. It might take us several trips to the doctor and, and several payments to that doctor spread over time, coming from contributions of multiple church members into a mercy ministry fund. But we can... We can help some people find healing. Not in an instant like Jesus could. What he could do intensively, we might have to extend over lots of time. And it might take lots of us and lots of man hours to get it done. But that's no excuse for us to say, well, we can't be like Jesus in this way. We can be like Jesus when it comes to Mirroring our Father's passion to identify misery in our world. And when we find it, multiply mercy. Jesus sees the misery that's going on in this woman's life. It's spiritual. He says, Satan has bound this woman. Uh, Verse 16. This woman's a daughter of Abraham. Satan has kept her bound for 18 long years. Jesus sees the spiritual misery around him. When he's in this synagogue, he sees physical misery. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity, disability. There's a spiritual dynamic at work. Jesus recognizes that level of misery. There's a physical dynamic at work. Jesus recognizes that kind of misery. There's also a a social or relationship misery present in this passage. And it really comes out when you hear what Jesus calls this woman a daughter of Abraham. And then you look at what he said in verse 15. Y'all have oxen and donkeys that you untie and lead out on the Sabbath. 
And this woman is no ox and no donkey. She is a daughter of Abraham. So there are people in this world who will get treated like they're less than an animal. But not by Jesus. Jesus will look at this woman and say, you are not less than an animal. You're a daughter of Abraham. He gives her dignity and respect that that no one else around her will give. Now, you and I can't reach out and touch this woman and heal her in an instant. We may not even be able to pay enough money to get her operated on to heal her. But we can look at someone who's treated like dirt and say I want to treat you like a daughter I want to treat you like a sister I want to treat you like a brother I don't care I don't care how this world treats you when you come into this house the house of God the family of God you will not be treated that way our hearts can begin to beat like the heart of Christ as we see the way that he's tuned in to the misery around him. All its levels, spiritual, physical, relational. And then he begins to just pour out mercy in all those areas. You know people who need mercy because they are in a state of misery. Some of them it's a spiritual state of misery. They are spiritually dead. They are separated from God. There is no joy in their lives because they don't know Christ. And you do. And you may not know what in the world to say to them. You may think, I'm not like Ben. I didn't go to seminary. I I don't know how to share the gospel. I've only been a Christian a few years myself. What do I know about (laughs) Look. Here's all you need to know. Just three things. Can you learn these three things? Jesus is all my good enough. Jesus is all my strong enough. And Jesus is all my happy enough. That's the gospel right there. All I got is Jesus. And he is all my good enough. One day I'm going to have to stand before God. And the question is going to be, am I good enough? And the answer is, no, but Jesus is all my good enough. And then there's sin in my life that that I want to grow. I want to change. I don't want to be this way forever. I don't want to be the same man next year that I am today. I don't want to be the same guy 10 years from now that I am right now. I hope I want to grow. But I don't have it in me. That's okay because Jesus is all my strong enough. Jesus is all the strength I need to grow. Jesus is all the strength I need. To see sin defeated in my life. Jesus is all my good enough to stand before God. He's all my strong enough to triumph over sin. He's all I got, but he's all I need. And he's all my happy enough. It's hard to live in this world. This world is full of fear and sorrow and sadness. And there's not a man sitting in this room. Who doesn't have a good friend right now. Who's growing through the ringer. There's not a man sitting in this room who hasn't lost a dad, a brother, a child, a wife. And we may not let it happen when we're sitting in a room like this, but when the door closes, the tears come. 
Jesus is all my happy enough. Jesus is the only one who can give me enough joy to keep going and holding on until the day He comes and wipes every tear away. If you can remember those three things, then you got what it takes to multiply a whole lot of mercy. Because there are people who are miserable all around you every moment of every day. There are people who are spiritually miserable because they think they will never be good enough. And you get to say to them, guess what? <laughs> you don't have to be. Jesus is all the good enough we need. Now, if you want to say that to somebody who knows the language of the church, tell them Jesus is all my righteousness. But that's what that means. He's all my good enough. And then there are people all around you who I, I sat down one day um, with a young man who had just uh, two weeks into his marriage, his marriage was falling apart because um, a particular habit um, drug related that he had promised his wife was a thing of the past was not a thing of the past. And so it's not just that that issue, but the betrayal of trust and and. Um, I sit down and I'm, and I'm talking with him and and I get past Jesus is all our good enough to Jesus is all our strong enough. Do you know that Jesus will give you all the strength you need through his Holy Spirit to learn to say no to every ungodly passion in your life? It won't happen overnight, but you're not alone in this. Jesus not only gets you out of hell, he gets the hell out of you. Pardon my French. And this young man sat there and he was like, I've been a Christian 15 years and nobody ever told me that. Why did nobody ever tell me that? There are a whole bunch of people you know who have never heard that. They don't know that Jesus is there strong enough. They don't know that everything they need to grow, they can find from Jesus. They don't know that. But you know that. You're learning that. You're seeing that in your own life. Maybe not in all the ways you wish you could see it. Maybe not as fast as you want to see it, but you're seeing it. So you can multiply that mercy. And then there are people around us who are just hurting. Maybe because of physical ailments like the woman in our text. Maybe it's not physical. It's just they're always the one being treated like less than a donkey, less than an animal, less than dirt. And you're the only one who can stand up for them. You're the only one who can put an arm around them when everybody else runs the other way when they're coming. And to us, that seems like such a small thing. And it's not just being nice because Jesus was nice. It's something way more radical than that. It is leaning into each day saying, Lord, I know you hate mercy and you're always on, the, uh, on misery and you're always on the lookout for it. Make me that kind of man who's always got my misery radar on and I want to take time to stop and do what I can in the moment. And it, it, won't, and it will never feel like enough.
your job is not to replace Jesus. You can't be everything to every person. But Jesus put a bunch of us on this planet to follow him and serve him. And all of us together doing small things every day over time, we start to multiply a whole lot of mercy to a lot of miserable people. Let me teach you one practical way to do that. Just learn to ask the question, what else? My mentor is a guy named Archie Moore. Archie's school of Christian counseling runs like this. What's going on in your life? And then he lets you talk for a few minutes. Two, three, four, five. Then when you said about all you can say, he smiles and nods his head and he says, good, good. What else? And you say a few more things and talk until there's nothing left to say. And Archie leans back. Oh, good. What else? And he just keeps pressing because he knows that for most of us, we don't slow down long enough to say what's really going on until the second or third or fourth time. And just slowing down long enough to listen to somebody say everything they got to say and then ask what else you'll find you'll find you bump into a lot of misery that way you'll find out about a whole lot of hurt and there's your opportunity to say lord jesus use me to multiply mercy the same way that you did so christ has a passion for identifying misery and multiplying mercy but it gets better. Jesus is passionate that this thing needs to happen. That, that identifying misery and multiplying mercy isn't just a nice extra. But it's an absolute necessity. Uh, verse 16. The ESV. Ought not this woman to be loosed? From this bond on the Sabbath day. Ought not. The NIV translates it. Should not. If I could translate it a little more literally. It would run like this. Was it not necessary. Absolute necessity. This word. It is necessary. In Luke's gospel. And in the book of Acts also written by Luke. It is kind of a catchword that says, God wants certain things to happen in this world, and they must happen. And that's this word. Jesus is saying, my father wants this woman's misery ended. And it must be ended. The passion that Jesus has for his father. Jesus isn't just being nice for the sake of being nice. Jesus is saying, my father's heart beats to see slaves set free. The word here for loosing what bound her. Should she not be set free? It's untying. 
the shackles that, that hold a slave in. And Jesus is saying, my father loves to see people set free from misery of all kinds, spiritual, physical, relational. It's got to happen. And I want what my father wants. That's one of the reasons we have to love Jesus is because he's not willing to just sit down and be a nice guy. He doesn't just say, you know what? Um, <clears throat> there are some people on the fringes of this world like crippled widows, crippled women. Um, there's something wrong with their body and, and in their world, everybody would assume it's because there's something wrong with her soul. If God has afflicted her, it's because she's a bad sinner. So everybody's going to look down on her. Jesus doesn't just say, but it's not that big a deal if there are people in this world that are on the fringes and mistreated and treated like less than an animal and considered cursed by God. No big deal. Jesus says it is a big deal. My father absolutely wants that to stop. This is a necessity. Christ-like passion for identifying misery and multiplying mercy becomes a passion for the necessity of identifying misery and multiplying, uh, multiplying mercy. And then one more layer of goodness we see in Jesus here is that he's not only passionate about this, and he's not only passionate that this is necessary, he's passionate that it is urgent. This has to happen right now. You hear the argument of the synagogue ruler in this passage? Hey, y'all, <laughs> I don't have any problem with getting healed. All right. This guy, Jesus and I, we see eye to eye on that. <laughs> it's OK to come here and get healed. So, you know, six days a week, it's OK to come here and get healed. No problem with healing. No problem with healing happening in a synagogue. We're all good with that. It's just the timing, you see. So please, everybody, there are six days to be healed on. So just not today. What's happening right here, and sometimes we would not understand it if we don't remember the way that, that days were kept by Jews and still are. Okay, we think a day starts in the middle of the night. It's kind of weird when you think about it. That's a dumb time to start a day, isn't it? <laughs> when everybody's asleep, should be. Nothing good ever happens after midnight, isn't that what they say? Except on men's retreats. There's an exception. But you know how the Jews reckon days, right? When does the day start? At sunset. So... The Sabbath day starts at sunset on what we would call Friday. And it continues until sunset on what we would call Saturday. So here's what's happening. Jesus walks in. He sees this woman and he goes, according to my father, she needs to be rescued from her misery. Let's do it right now. The synagogue ruler is essentially saying, Jesus, I wish you could have just waited a few more hours. Because it's Saturday morning or maybe even Saturday early afternoon. Hey, Jesus, if you just stick around a few more hours, the sun's going to set. 
This woman, how long has this woman waited? What did the text say? How long has she been waiting? 18 years. I mean, Jesus, come on, man. 18 years and you can't wait four more hours for the sun to go down? <laughs> Could you just tell the woman, hey, psst, meet me out in the alleyway, you know? Come back three hours. We'll, we'll do this thing then. And what Jesus says is, no, I can't wait one more minute. 18 years is too long for the devil to have his way with somebody. 18 years is too long for a woman to feel like she's less than an animal. And don't you dare. Don't you dare suggest that my father would think otherwise. He established a Sabbath day so that people who were weary and worn out could find rest and renewal. And if you will give rest and refreshment and renewal to an ox and a donkey on this day, then you better believe that right now is my father's time to end the misery of this woman. This thing needs to happen and needs to happen now. Not three hours from now, not four hours from now. The devil has had his way with her long enough and right now is the time for it to stop. You see what kind of boldness that is that Jesus has? What kind of courage? And here's the thing. We look at that and our, we might, that love-hate thing might come up. I wish I was that bold. I'm not. I wish I had that much courage. I don't. I wish I had more of that sense of right now, but you, I'm kind of a wimp. <laughs> Sometimes I play it safe. I wait. But Jesus doesn't. And he's all you're good enough. He did enough things right now that needed to be done right now to make up for all the times that you and I wait and take the easy way out. So those are forgiven. And Jesus is all our strong enough. And he is the one who will change us so that we're not so timid. And, and not so quick to, to back away when we have an opportunity to extend mercy to someone. He is all the good enough we need to change us and make us like himself. So there's no reason why we have to say, well, good for Jesus, but that'll never happen in my life. Jesus is here. Jesus is with every one of his people every moment of every day. And he would love nothing more than to make us the kind of people who turn our radar on. Lord, who needs mercy today? Who are you going to bring across my path that just needs somebody to spend some time with them and find out what's going on and then do what needs doing. I have a neighbor who's Jewish. She's kind of a secular Jew. She practices all the practices, doesn't believe any of the beliefs. That's pretty common in the Jewish community in St. Louis. And um, she's divorced. Needed some work done in her backyard. Needed several tons of dirt moved. Didn't have any money to move the dirt. 
to hire somebody to come do it. So I walked into my Greek class one day. Ben, you missed out on this one, buddy. Sorry. And I said, guys, there's a woman who lives down the street from me. Um, she doesn't have a whole lot going for her. But um, I think I think if we move several tons of dirt with shovels and wheelbarrows, we might get a chance to talk to this woman about Jesus. Who wants to do it? Everybody did. Right now is a good time. Now, Jesus might have been able to move all that dirt in an instant. We weren't. St. Louis summertime. <laughs> it took a while. And about 15 of my pickup truck loads later, um, there was still more dirt to be moved, but there was a friendship built. And um, at one point, this lady said, why are these men doing this? They don't know me. Why are they doing this? Why would they do this? And you know the answer. We become like the one we love the most. We love Jesus most. And we would do anything to make him known to somebody who needs him. Even if it means leaving Greek class, shoveling dirt in the St. Louis sunshine. Because we become like the one that we love the most. He hates misery and he loves to multiply mercy. And over time, he'll make us men like that too. Let's thank him for that promise. Lord Jesus, thank you for your um, love for this woman. Thank you for your passion for your father's priorities. Thank you for not waiting three or four more hours for the sun to go down. Thank you for your courage to upset someone who had the power to make your life really difficult. Um, Lord, thank you for being at work in our lives. Would you make us men who come to be more and more like you? In your name, we pray with hope and with great love for you. Amen.